Welcome to the Podcast of the Hill. You are about to hear a message from Pastor Daniel Blaylock entitled, Heart of Holiness. Praise the Lord. Are you thankful tonight for the peace of God? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible tonight, I'm in Psalm 15 tonight. Psalm 15. I want to close out our Pentecost series tonight by talking about holiness of heart. Say that with me. Holiness of heart. I think if there is one theme that the Lord has different preachers feel called to emphasize different things. I had a pastor once who really felt the Lord had laid on him as part of his ministry to, to preach the coming of the Lord. And so he preached of it probably more often than other pastors would just because that was the burden of his own heart. I think oftentimes preachers feel a burden, a particular thing that they believe the Lord has called them to emphasize as part of their ministry. If there was a topic that I felt that way about, it would be the topic of holiness. Holiness. I believe if there's a forgotten note in our preaching today, it is the preaching of holiness. And I want to talk to you tonight about what I don't mean and what I do mean by holiness of heart. Holiness is primarily a matter of the heart. Say the heart. It is only incidentally about the outside. And if you'll clean up the inside of the cup, amen, the outside will sort of take care of itself. But the heart is the matter that we're most involved with tonight. Psalm 15 tonight is going to be our text. Hear the word of the Lord. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? That's the question, right? Who may live in God's presence? Look at verse 2. I want you to read it aloud with me. He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart, he who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. Verse 4, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change, he who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent, he who does these things shall never be moved. Who abides in the Lord's presence? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. A pure heart tonight. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you and bless you. We thank you tonight for your word. I pray, God, tonight you'd anoint me to preach it. I pray that you'd give me clarity, Lord, to be able to explain. And that, Lord, you would help us tonight to grasp it. And, Lord, to be able to lay hold of your promise for us tonight. And to grow more deeply into the likeness of our Savior. We'll praise you. And that'll be enough for us in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen and amen. Holiness of heart. Say it one more time. Holiness of heart. Well, real quickly tonight, I want to talk to you about four things it isn't and four things it is. Amen. Number one, let's talk about what holiness of heart is not. Number one, it is not imputed righteousness. You say, Pastor, what in the world? That's a big old theological word. Let's unpack that word. What we mean by imputed righteousness is this. It's the righteousness of Christ that is given to us whenever we become a Christian. If I were to ask you tonight, are you righteous? You would probably say, well, in Jesus, I'm righteous. Correct? That's how most of us would answer. I know that on my own that I'm not, but in Christ, by the blood of Jesus, yes, I've been made righteous. We talked about that this morning, didn't we? That Jesus makes us, who are sinners, righteous in the sight of God by the blood of his cross. Well, if we're talking about righteousness, imputed righteousness, then that's exactly right. And there's nothing wrong with talking about that. It just isn't holiness. 
we're talking about two different things. When we talk about holiness, we're not talking about imputed righteousness. I hear people, if I were to ask you, are you righteous, then the question ought to be for any Christian, yes, you are righteous. Jesus has made you righteous by what he did on the cross. It's imputed to you. It's given to you as a gift. The righteousness of Christ is given to you as a gift by faith. The Bible never talks about imputing holiness. Holiness is a different word. Holiness is talking about the character of our heart. And that's not something that can be imputed to us. It can only be imparted to us. It still comes to us as a gift, but we're talking about two different things. I'm not talking about your standing before God legally. I'm talking about the condition of your heart actually. Oh, it's quiet tonight. Are you tracking with me? What Jesus has, what God has said about me when he justified me, what God has declared over my life in the court of heaven when I trusted Jesus, when God slammed down the gavel and said, because of the blood and his faith in the cross, he's righteous. Because of what God has said over me, God now begins the process of making that true in me. Hmm. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, read the, read the verse under there with me. Let's read it. Therefore, having these promises. Whoa, what promises? The promises that we've been saved by God's grace. The promise that we've been forgiven of our sin. The promise that we've been made new in Christ. The promise that we are now made righteous. What do we do now that we've been made righteous? Well, finish the verse. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all... Y'all aren't reading out loud. Come on, read out loud. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Who's he talking to? Saved people, Christian people, people who've been justified, people whose names are in heaven, people who've been declared righteous by the blood. Now that you've been declared righteous by the blood, what does God expect you to do? Perfect holiness in the fear of God. Cleanse your life from all filthiness of flesh and the spirit. Do you see the difference? Righteous, yes, Jesus has, has said that I, God's declared me righteous for the sake of Jesus, but now I am to go on and be perfected in holiness. There's a difference. There's a difference. When we're talking about holiness of heart, we're not talking about imputed righteousness. I'm not talking about what you are legally standing. I'm talking about how you are actually living. <laughs> mm. Let's keep going. Many Christians confuse sanctification with justification. When we're justified, God declares us to be because of the death of Jesus. But righteousness that is imputed or credited to us by faith must become imparted righteousness, actual holiness. We must move on from justifying grace to sanctifying grace. What Jesus has declared over me must become actually true about me. We are to pursue holiness without which no man will see the Lord. So holiness is not imputed righteousness. Number two, what is hol holiness of heart? What is it not? No, it is not good behavior. Say that with me. It is not good behavior, at least not by itself. It's not just living a good, moral, upstanding life to pass the test of being called holiness of heart or holiness of life. Hear what Jesus said about 
a group of people in his day who could definitely check the boxes and say that they were doing all the right sorts of things. They were exercising good behavior. They were the scribes and the Pharisees, the people of Jesus' day. And yet Jesus says in Matthew 5 and 20, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. What's the problem? Well, they were doing right, but they were doing right for the wrong reasons. How many of you know you can do that? You can do the right thing for all the wrong reasons, and it doesn't merit anything in the eyes of God. God doesn't just see what I'm doing. He sees why I'm doing it. Amen? And there are people we're too hard on because they do the wrong thing, and we don't understand the motives and the circumstances behind it. And sometimes we come down too hard on people because we don't get the heart. And I want to tell you the opposite's true too. Sometimes we praise people for doing good things and we don't know that the reason they're doing the good things, their motives are no purer than the person doing the wrong things. You can do the right thing for the praise of men. You can do the right thing to get a pat on the back. You can do the right thing to have people approve of you. It may have nothing to do with loving God or loving your neighbor. It may have everything to do with loving yourself. And just another way to get ahead, amen? Have you noticed all the politicians get religion in election year? That's, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. There's benefit sometimes to being good. You know, Daddy always said you catch more flies with honey, amen? And some people are good just because it's self-serving, because it's better in business to be good than to not be good. But that motive isn't enough to count as holiness of heart. Say it's not holiness, the scribes and Pharisees were so committed to good behavior, they had rules to keep them from breaking the rules. They made rules just to stay away from the real rules so they wouldn't break them. But it's not enough. Jesus said it isn't enough. In fact, Jesus warns us that we can, keep the, we can have the good behavior, but if our heart's not right, it doesn't count. Jesus said it something like this. You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you lust on someone in your heart, you're guilty of Adultery. Do you see what Jesus did there? It's not just the action, it is the motivation that is behind it. Jesus said, you've heard that it said, thou shalt not kill. But I say to you that if you're angry with your brother without cause, you're guilty of murder in your heart. Motive. Wow. So Jesus drives it much deeper and says, good behavior isn't enough. If that's all it is, it doesn't pass the litmus test of what is really holiness. Jesus declares that that's not holy. You can do right for the wrong reason. Pride, approval, to gain social standing or to advance your position in the world. Holiness isn't imputed righteousness. It's not just being justified. It's not just Jesus' righteousness in my place. Holiness isn't just good behavior. Number three, holiness, holiness isn't rule-keeping. Say rule-keeping. It's not rule-keeping. Now, for a long time in holiness churches, we really, really struggled with this one because we, we sort of believed that if we could build enough fences, we could keep people out of the wrong pastures. Amen? <laughs> if we could just build... Now, I know good fences make good neighbors, but they don't make good Christians. Amen? Amen. We often thought, well, if we could just put up enough fences and keep enough, list enough rules, we could keep our people walking and living in holiness. But it doesn't work that way. And the Bible warned us that it would not. What do you mean? In Colossians chapter 2, verse 21 to 23, I want to read it in the New Living so you trust of it tonight. He says, 
these rules that we make up, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch, verse 22, such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Wow, isn't that good? In other words, rules won't make me holy. You can't put enough rules to keep a person in the right pasture. You can't build enough or strong enough fences. We can never build enough fences around the flesh to keep it within the proper boundaries. A sinful heart will always find a way to keep the rule and still get what it wants in the end. Hmm. You notice that? If you haven't noticed it about yourself, I bet you noticed it about your children, right? Kids always have a way of getting what they want without exactly breaking the rule, right? Mom says, you know, they go to mom, you know, can, can I have an Oreo? No, you can't have an Oreo. So they go to dad. Hey, dad, can I have a brownie? Well, yeah, I guess you can have a brownie. They walk through with the brownie, and mom says, now wait just a minute. It's going to be supper time soon. I said you couldn't have an Oreo. Mom, this isn't an Oreo. Well, I, you know what I meant when I said you couldn't. Yeah, but I asked dad, and dad said that I could. You see, technically, they didn't break a rule, right? They don't have an Oreo, and Dad said they could have the brownie. But what did they do? They just got around the purpose of the rule. All of us know how to do that, and all of us have been guilty of it. Not only with our parents, but with the Lord. Do you hear me? The rule isn't enough. Say that with me. The rule isn't enough. There's something wrong in my heart. There's not anything wrong with the rules. See, that's what we learn in the Bible. The, the Old Testament, what's wrong with the law? Nothing. There's something wrong with me. I can't keep it. I can't obey it because there's something in my heart that always wants to color outside the lines. And what the law reveals about me is a spiritual birth defect, something wrong in my heart. And holiness must address that thing that went wrong down in me. Nothing wrong with the rules, but the rules will never be enough. They will never be enough. Amen. They just won't. Rule keeping isn't holiness. We can never build enough fences. The only answer for the flesh is a cross. Those who belong to Christ have crucified their flesh with its affections and lusts. Galatians 5.24. So holiness is not imputed righteousness or good behavior or rule keeping. Number four, holiness is not Christian maturity. Say that with me. Holiness is not Christian maturity. Some of you will argue me down that it is. No, it isn't. Purity and maturity are not the same thing. You don't believe me? I have a whole book you can read by J.A. Wood called Purity and Maturity. And he will explain the difference in stark terms for you. What do you mean, Pastor? Listen, purity is not maturity. There are degrees of maturity. You can be immature, reasonably mature, or very mature. Purity is not about degrees. Now, there's degrees of impurity. <laughs> you can be a little impure or very impure. But when you're talking about purity, listen, you either are or you are not. Cover the ears of the children. Being pure is a little bit like being pregnant, amen? You either are or you aren't. There's no such thing as a little bit pregnant, right? You're not a little bit married. <laughs> you either are or you are not. Purity is the same way. A glass of water is either pure or it isn't. Now, some water is dirtier than other water, but pure water is either pure or it isn't. When you go into the operating room, they want the room to be what? Sterile. And it either is or it isn't. 
You hear me? Purity works in that same kind of way. Purity of heart means whatever was in my heart that was offensive to God, whatever was in my heart that's keeping me from honoring and pleasing God has been taken out of the way. That thing has been dealt with. Now, I might be very immature and still be pure. Amen. You might not be very mature and yet your heart can be clean. Uh, the word of the Lord, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. When does he do that? Well, it's an aorist tense. means it's something that he does in a moment. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. He can do it and he can keep you that way until the coming of the Lord. Purity. What do you mean? The Christian purity is the soul restored to perfect health, but it is not perfect development. The soul restored to perfect health, not perfect development. A baby may be perfectly healthy and yet is very immature. There's a difference between a baby and an infant and a toddler and an adolescent and a full-grown man. There's a difference in maturity. But if you are free from disease, you are healthy. Holiness is wholeness. Say that with me. Holiness is wholeness. It doesn't mean I'm a blue ribbon winner, but it means everything's there that ought to be there. The word is the word shalem, peace, wholeness, soundness, everything there. The word in the Old Testament about a lamb that was whole, a whole burnt offering, a lamb that was blameless. It doesn't mean it was pretty. It doesn't mean it was the nicest one in the flock. It didn't mean that, you know, it, it, it wasn't ugly. What it did mean was this. It had two eyes and four legs and two ears and no spots and sores on it. It was everything a lamb ought to be. I want to tell you tonight, we may not be blue ribbon winners, but we can have integrity. Integrity. And that integrity is what the Bible calls holiness. Say integrity. Integrity. Christian maturity is not the same thing as holiness. My professor Steve Flick used to say this way, even green apples can be perfect. <laughs> An apple may be green and yet the skin isn't broken and it doesn't have any worms on the inside and it doesn't have any bite marks on it, right? It's pure, but it's immature. Purity and maturity are not the same thing. When we're talking about holiness, we're not talking about maturity. We're talking about purity. We're talking about the condition of our heart. Has my heart been cleansed? Again, give an example from our marriages. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What we're talking about is a heart that is faithful to God. Now, my wife is here. You can ask her after church if this is true or not. There are many things in which I could mess up in my immaturity, and it would not cost me my marriage. She might put up with any number of things for a season, and she did at the early part of our marriage uh, until she trained me like I was supposed to be, amen? Not to leave my clothes in the floor, not to do this or that or the other, you know, all these different things. She can give you a whole list of things that I, and ways in which I was immature as a husband, and yet none of them cost me my marriage. And yet tonight there was one thing that she never would have and never will tolerate in our marriage. Immaturity, yes. Unfaithfulness, not on your life. Not on your life. How much faithfulness does your spouse require of you? 100%. Is that reasonable? You better believe it is. <laughs> Holiness is faithfulness. We're not talking about batting a thousand or not ever doing anything immature. My question is this, is your heart loyal to God? Is your heart faithful to God? Are you fully given over to God? Does he have 100% ownership of your allegiance? 
That's the question. That's what holiness is about. Well, we talked about what it isn't. Let's talk about what it is before we go eat Wendy's tonight. Four things holiness is. I don't take credit for these four ideas. Let me tell you who shared them with me first. Many years ago in a devotion given by one of our seminary professors' wives, the wives could always out-preach the husbands, remember that. A woman named Diane Urey stepped up to the pulpit at Wesley Chapel one day and said, I believe holiness is at least four things. This is what the Lord's taught me by walking with him for these 20 years. And she gave four words, and I've never forgotten them as long as I lived. I hope they bless you tonight. What is holiness? Number one, holiness is purity. Say purity. And as she began to describe what she meant by purity, the word that I would sort of put in the place of that was transparency. Say transparency. Holiness is a heart that is honest before God. Holiness is a heart that is transparent before God. Holiness is a heart that is pure. And by pure, I mean you can see all the way through it. Like pure crystal, pure glass, pure gold. It, you can see clean through it. There's a transparent quality. God sees us as we really are. And we have to open our heart to him to be searched and known so that he can reveal the truth about us to us. This is what David prayed, isn't it? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my ways. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Why do we need God to search our hearts? Because he doesn't know them? No, because we don't always know them. Our heart can be deceitfully wicked. It can hide things from us. And yet the Holy Spirit can search our heart and show us the truth about ourselves if we'll ask him to. Holiness is purity. God gives conviction that we might see ourselves accurately. He helps us to know the truth about who we are on the inside. Purity means coming face to face with the Holy One. And when I see the Holy One, the next thing I see, according to Isaiah 6, is my own unholiness, right? Whenever he saw the Holy One, the next scene is Isaiah's on his knees going, Woe is me because I'm unclean. I'm the opposite of the one that I've encountered in his presence tonight. Seeing God in his holiness suddenly unearthed everything unholy about Isaiah. And when we come into God's presence, he shows us the truth about ourselves. And what holiness means is I'm not going to hide from that. I'm not going to run from that. I'm not going to argue with God about that. I'm not going to make excuses for what he churns up to the service in that moment. Holiness is transparency. Holiness means I'm going to be honest. I'm going to come clean. Purity means coming face to face with the Holy One. Not in some mystical experience, but in reality, seeing the truth about who God is and the truth about who I am and rightly relating to Him. It begins with an honesty about who I am and what I am. The transparency is required in order for me to relate to God. It's an attitude that says, Lord, whatever you show me about myself, I won't deny it, I won't back away from it, I won't make excuses for it. I'm going to be honest with you. Holiness begins with a purity of heart, an honesty, a transparency before God that says, Lord, shine the light and show me anything that you want to show me. Nothing is off limits in my life to the searching of your Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, a heart that is transparent is a heart that will end up holy. You hear me? We have to be honest before God. We can't hide from what God shows us. God holds up mirrors to show us. His word is a mirror. Sometimes your spouse is a mirror. Sometimes your children are brutally honest mirrors, right? God has a way of showing us the truth about ourselves many times. And the, answer, the question is, how do I respond to that? A holy heart is not a heart that has no issues, but it's a heart that no longer hides or pretends or makes excuses for those issues. Hmm. 
Number two, holiness is yieldedness. Say yieldedness. It's a heart that's not only honest before God, it's not only being honest about what's really in my heart, but it's a willingness to let God change my heart. You know, many times I hear this attitude of, you know, well, you know, that's just the way that I am. Huh. You ever said that? You ever heard that? Well, I can't help it. That's just the way that I am. Well, I want to tell you, friend, if the way that you are is not the way that Jesus is, it's going to have to change. <laughs> it's going to have to go. It's got to change. Why? You've got a call on your life, and that call is holiness. You've been called unto holiness. What do you mean? You have been chosen by God. He saved you and brought you into the family. Why? What's the goal? Hear what he says in Ephesians 1 and 4. He says that he predestined you in love to be blameless. He predestined you to be transformed or conformed to the image of his Son. When God saved you, he saved you in order to transform you into the very likeness of Jesus. Amen. So when you got saved, signed up for an inside transformation project. You signed up for God to change everything about you that doesn't look like Jesus. Wow, well I didn't know that. Well you did. Amen. See, justification says that I have a place in heaven reserved for me. Sanctification means God's going to work on my heart so that I fit in when I get there. Hmm. I love how we change the words of hymns that we don't like. We used to sing away in a manger, and we changed the words. And take us to heaven to live with thee there. No, 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 no. The original said, and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. There's a lot of difference in being taken to heaven and being made fit for heaven. <laughs> grace will take me to heaven. That's justification. But grace will also fit me for heaven. That's sanctification. He's going to do something in my heart so that I fit in with a holy God and holy angels and holy saints who were there before me. Wow. Oh, it's quiet in the holiness church tonight. Amen. What is holiness? It's purity. It's honesty. It's transparency. Number two, it's yieldedness. Lord, not only can you show me anything, but you have permission to change anything. You have permission to address anything. Anything you see about me that isn't like your son. Holy Spirit, take it. I can't change it or I would have already changed it. But Lord, what I can do is not fight you about it, not make excuses for it, and I can lay it on the altar and say, Lord, by the power of the cross, by the strength of the Holy Spirit, can you do something in my heart that addresses that wrong thing in me and the answer of the gospel is yes he can For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men and it teaches us how to say no to ungodliness and to live holy righteous lives in the present world amen mm. I'm more excited about this than you are I can tell we must offer God all the parts of our lives, not just the parts we want to give him, all of our time, not just when we feel like it. Our family, our future, our whole lives are his. Philippians 2 said Jesus didn't grasp anything. He didn't hold on to his rights as God. He freely gave them up. He emptied himself. He willingly laid them aside. His exalted position in heaven, his omniscience, his power, his life was always yielded to the Father. It wasn't just love for us that caused Jesus to submit to the cross. It was love for his Father. It was obedience to his Father. It was submission to his Father that caused him to do that. He was submitted to the Father. 
That's why I did it. Yieldedness is holding things with an open hand, not a closed fist, saying, Lord, my life is like this, and whatever you want to give me, I'm open to receive, but whatever you want to take from me, you also may take. I'll never forget the effect as a young Christian of hearing Dr. E.V. Hill preach his own wife's funeral. He preached baby's funeral, standing in the pulpit at, um, at the, the, the Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Los Angeles, California. Her request was that her pastor preach her funeral. And so he stood there and preached his wife's funeral. And his text was from the book of Job. And he preached and he said, my text today is the Lord is given. And he talked about all that the Lord had given in his wife. And then he said, and the Lord has taken away... And the Lord's taken her in death. And then he said, and the Lord's given me what my response is to be. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I watched that man stand in the pulpit and shout until his suit was wet, Randy. Shouting, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What can enable a man to do that? Standing over his wife's casket. I want to tell you what can. Holiness of heart. The grace of God. Now I know all of our displays won't be that exuberant when we face that moment of life but the question remains this am I yielded can God bring anything can God take anything and me still trust him and me still walk with him or are there some things that I've reserved for myself and I've said in my heart God if you ever touch that I won't serve you God if you ever allow that to go I won't be yours anymore whatever that is is an idol it's the real God that you serve. Holiness means, Lord, I hold everything in my life with an open hand. And you're free to give. And you're free to take. You're free to move things in and out of my life as you will and as you determine. Listen, that's holiness. Yieldedness to God. Doesn't mean we roll over and play dead and let the devil take advantage of us. I don't mean that at all. But I mean those moments of life when there's absolutely nothing we can do about. And God in his sovereignty has decided that something's going to come and something's going to go. Yieldedness. Say yieldedness. Lord, you may take or give whatever you deem necessary. Number three, holiness is sentness. Say sentness. I love this word, sentness. Holiness is not just about me or even just about me and Jesus. Holiness is about my relationship with the world around me. Whenever Jesus rose from the dead in John 20, he came to his disciples, he breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit, and the next words out of his mouth were these, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So send I you. What does it mean to be holy? It means to be sentness. Notice the progression. Holiness is a heart that says, Lord, I'll be honest about whatever you show me. And number two, Lord, I'm surrendered to you and you can do with my life to do whatever you want to do and the next thing a holy heart is it says Lord it's not about me use my life to advance use my life good of other people as the father sent me so send I you Jesus said wow if Jesus viewed himself as a sent one then I will view myself in the same way if I'm changing the image of Jesus Years ago, William and Catherine Booth, the founders of the Salvation Army, it was said that they would whisper into the ears of their children at night when they tucked them into bed, they would whisper these words, You are not here in the world for yourself. You have been sent here for others. The world is waiting for you. Wow. Is that what we say to our children when we tuck them in at night? You were not sent into this world for yourself. You were sent here for others. The world is waiting for you. Baby, you need to grow up. 
You need to give your heart completely to Jesus. You need to let God fill you with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because there is a whole broken, hurting world out there that Jesus wants reached with his love. And your life is about that mission. And that's why we're going to raise you up and teach you how to love God and fear God and live right. And we're going to send you out there to wherever the Lord wants to send you. I'll be honest with you. I have a friend named Dr. Matt Friedemann who raised up his children and asked them questions at an early age that Shay and I have not quite decided we're brave enough to ask our children yet. Once his children hit about 12 years old, he began to ask them the question around the supper table at night. Where do you think the Lord wants to send you and use your life in ministry? Is there a country that you believe God's laying on your heart? Is there a cause in the world that stirs you up that maybe God wants you to spend and be spent in? Wow, that's a tough question. Even more than that, he would lay his hands on the head of his children around the supper table. And he would say, Lord, if you've got a hard place in the world, I know that Elijah is a good man. And he's a strong young man. And he's going to be a tough young man. And Lord, we're raising him up to love you with all his heart. And so, Lord, if you've got a place in the world that nobody else wants to go and you need someone to go and represent you, Lord, I'm saying we're going to raise Elijah up to be the kind of man that you can send to that place. Lord, you can call him and he's going to be willing to go. What you preaching about, Pastor? I'm preaching about holiness. And it doesn't have nearly as much to do with smoking, dipping, chewing, and pantyhose on Sunday nights. <laughs> as it does about our heart. And whether we're surrendered with every area or not. Holiness is purity. It's yieldedness. It is sentence. But, Pastor, that doesn't sound safe. You can't be safe and sent at the same time. <laughs> we have to decide, has God called us to safety or has God called us to sentness? He's called us to sentness. The Bible is clear. Safeness is boring. It's even crippling. I fear we often are raising families in a bubble that they're afraid to leave. And God wants us to call them to adventure, to risk, not for ourselves, but for Him and for others. Had a friend who was a missionary in Colombia when the Medellin drug cartel was at their apex and they controlled everything there. And they noticed that many of their workers would no longer work in the fields at where they were growing the drugs and growing the plants that they would use to make cocaine. And they wouldn't work in the fields anymore after they became Christians. And so the members of the Medellin drug cartel decided that what they needed to do was get rid of the missionaries who were messing with their workers who were cutting in on their bottom line. And so they created a hit list of missionaries. Can you imagine being a Christian missionary and waking up one morning and finding out that your name is on the hit list of the Medellin drug cartel? That's a scary thing, isn't it? Someone asked those missionaries, how do you live under that kind of scrutiny? And they said, we've learned to relax in the sovereignty of God. We've learned to relax in the sovereignty of God. Our lives belong to Him. We are His as long as He wants us here. And as long as He wants us here, there's nothing the Medellin drug cartel can do to stop us from being here. Wow. That's holiness. Confidence in your God. Your life is surrendered to Him. Mm. The belief that I'm invincible until Jesus is done with me. That's what it leads to. Holiness. Sentiness. Number four. Holiness is receptivity. Say that with me. Holiness is receptivity. Diane Uri says it's a posture of receiving. Holiness is not something I can work up. 
It's something that God gives me. It's not something I can work up from the inside. It's something God gives me from the outside. He has to implant this in my heart. He has to impart this as a gift of His grace. We can't muster up boldness. We can't muster up humility. We can't muster up gentleness. We can't muster up self-control. We have to receive these things as a gift from God. These are not things we produce. These are the fruit of the Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit produces in a life that is yielded to Him, that is surrendered to Him. The mark of a Spirit-filled Christian. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. We don't achieve holiness by trying harder or increasing our discipline. It's not something we achieve. It's something we receive as a gift. We read it a minute ago. Now may God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. It's not something I can do. It's something God must do. But it's something that he can do and he will do. Will he do it? Yes. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. Faithful is the one who called you who also will do it. Will God do it? You better believe he'll do it. His word says he'll do it. This is the will of God. It's the will of God. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. It is God's will that this work be done in my life, that I be given a holy heart. Pastor, does it matter? Yes, it does. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, and they alone will see God. Wow. Wow. Quiet. It's quiet tonight. Why? It's always quiet when you preach about holiness. What is holiness? Purity, yieldedness, sentness, receptivity. It's a heart that's yielded. It's a heart that's honest. It's a heart that says, I'm here for you, God, whatever you want to do with my life. It's a heart that says, and God, I can't pull any of this off in my own strength. The only way I'm ever going to be able to live this life is if your Holy Spirit comes and fills me and enables me to do what I cannot do on my own. Lord, the only hope for me is that my flesh be nailed to your cross and that your Spirit fill me and live through me the life of Jesus. This is not something we produce. This is Christ in us. What did Paul say? <laughs> for I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We live it by faith. We live it by the Holy Spirit. We live it by grace. Pastor, how can I receive a holy heart? Same way you got saved. How, did you, how were you justified? You woke up one day and the Holy Spirit showed you your life, that you were committing sin, you were sin had separated you from God, and that there's nothing you could do about it, but that the cross had supplied the need. And so you knelt down at the cross and you said, Lord Jesus, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Do for me what I cannot do for myself. Forgive me. Break the chains. Make me a new person. And when you trusted Jesus to do what his death and resurrection provided, you received as a gift the gift of salvation. Justifying grace. God justified you by his grace in that moment. How are we sanctified? A similar way. The same way. The Holy Spirit shows us our need. There's something wrong on the inside of me. There's something in my heart that doesn't want to go this way. There's something in my heart that doesn't want to be honest, that doesn't want to yield, that, that doesn't want to be sent, that wants to live life safe for me. There's a part of me that wants to try to do everything on my own. And that stubborn part of me is the flesh, the old fallenness that survived my conversion. What's the answer for it? The same answer it was before. Come back to the cross. Fall down at the feet of Calvary. Confess your need to God. God, 
There's this thing on the inside of me called the flesh. I'm no match for it. I can't master it. It keeps mastering me. But Lord, your word said, your word said that there was enough power in the cross and that my flesh could be crucified and that I could be crucified with Jesus and I could live a life above the pull of the world, the flesh and the devil. Back to the cross. I'm coming back to Calvary. I'm kneeling. I'm confessing my need. And I'm saying, Lord, I want to believe you by faith for what you promised to provide for me. You said that it was your will that I be sanctified. You said your will that my heart be cleansed and purified. So, Lord, I'm coming and I'm laying hold of the cross again. And I'm believing you to do what you promised. First Thessalonians, Paul tells him, I know your faith's genuine. You survived trial and persecution and didn't fold up under pressure. But then he says to them, and yet there's something lacking in your faith. You've got issues with your self-control. You don't love your brothers like you ought to. And he says, and you have problem minding your own business and staying in your own lane. And hmm, Chapter 4. What's the answer, Paul says? Chapter 5. Let the, let the Holy Spirit sanctify your heart. Chapter 3, verse 10. Let him establish your heart blameless in holiness. Can God do it? Yes, he can. Will he? If we'll let him. If we'll let him. What's required? come to the cross received by faith pastor you believe that God's going to fix all this in a moment Listen. let me close with this example tonight one man said in objection to what I'm teaching tonight something like this he said pastor what you're preaching means that I might as well just as well expect for my son to walk into college college having never had a day of math lessons in his life and come out after one day and be a mathematician not at all. But let me ask you this. If your child had gone to college day after day, if your child had gone to school day after day, week after week, month after month, and still had not mastered basic addition, what would you say to that? Well, there's something wrong with the student or the teacher or both, right? Something's wrong, and that something wrong needs to be dealt with. Well, let me ask you this. How is it that Christians can sit on church pews day after day, month after month, year after year and still have these huge tracks of areas in their life that they're not honest about that they won't surrender to God a life that is all about self that isn't extended in the direction of other people and they never break out of that they never go on to maturity they haven't been saved 20 years they've had 20 years worth of, they've had one year of Christian experience repeated 20 times it's not the same thing they're still babes in Christ. They've been, they've been in the church for 20 years, but they still act like they've been saved about three. You have to part their mustache to slide the pacifier in. Why? Because there's something wrong. And that's something, the, what's blocking their maturity is their lack of purity. The problem isn't they haven't grown up. The problem is there's something stunning their growth. And that something needs to be dealt with. And that something is the flesh. And you don't outgrow the flesh. There's only one answer for the flesh. The cross. Nail it to Calvary. Reckon it dead. Don't let it run the show anymore. Those who belong to Christ have crucified it. That's the message. 
If I've been walking with God for 15 years and I still act like I did the first year I got saved, the problem is not a lack of maturity. It is an unsanctified heart. It's a divided heart. It's the fact that part of me wants God and part of me wants my way, and I want to just finally get before the Lord and pray the thing through to where His will becomes my will. This is what we used to preach in the church of God. And what holds us back in service and evangelism and our marriages and our relationships and our friendships, most of the time, Lord help me, is this one thing. It's a divided heart. And the Lord says, I can give you an undivided heart. I can give you a united heart. I can give you a heart that's whole. I can give you a heart that's healed. I can give you a heart that beats with one holy passion, to know God and to love him and to love your neighbor as yourself. What's holiness? Loving God with all your heart, loving your neighbor as yourself. Love. Holiness is love. Say it with me. Holiness is love. His love perfected in my heart. My motive made clean. Now, are all my actions perfect? No, that's a maturity issue. But can my motive be clean? Yes, that's a holiness issue. Can God make my heart pure? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. There's enough power in the blood of Jesus to not only forgive me of my sin, but to cleanse me from my stain, to wash me clean from my impurity. God doesn't just slam the gavel down and say, you're forgiven for what you've done. The blood of Jesus is more powerful than that. His blood can touch you and reach deeper than the stain is gone. He can purify your heart. Stand with me tonight, all over the Lord's house. What is holiness? Purity, surrendered heart, sentness, being willing to receive from God what we need from Him. Holiness is all this. It can't be nailed down. It's alive. It's not maturity or rule-keeping or good behavior. It's the life of Christ in us. The only one living in us. It only comes as we receive, yield to, and walk daily in the Holy Spirit's power. But I want to tell you it's a life that we can have. It's a life we can enjoy. It's the life Jesus died and rose again in order for us to experience. John Oswald used to say it this way, God did not save me in order to stamp forgiven on me. God saved me to stamp his image on me. You were predestined to be made like Jesus. Some of us think, well, that'll happen when I get to heaven. Listen, whenever, whenever Jesus comes back, that's the redemption of the body. Say the body. <laughs> that's glorification. Sanctification doesn't happen at the resurrection. Sanctification happens now. By faith in the blood of Jesus. There's nothing about death that's going to make me any holier than I am. Death just fixes my state. Mm. There's no change possible after I die. <laughs> Not to my heart. When you leave here, you are who you are. As a tree falls, so shall it lie. And as it lies, it shall be raised. And if it fell in corruption, it'll be raised in what? It's the book. I'm preaching the book. I want to fall on my last day with a heart that's clean and pure. And I may not be as mature as I ought to be in that moment, but even green apples can be perfect. And I can lay my head down and breathe my last breath. And between me and God, know that my heart and my motives have been made clean by the blood of Jesus. And even though I wasn't angelically perfect, my heart was 100% loyal to my Savior. That's what I'm asking tonight. Do you have a loyal heart? Allegiant, faithful, true, 
true to God all the way, do you have a surrendered heart? Do you have a heart that is stretching out in love and service to others? Do you have a heart that daily leans back and says, God, there's no way I can pull this off on my own. I need you to fill me day by day, moment by moment. I'm leaning on you, Jesus, to live this life through me. That's holiness. Transparent, surrendered, sent, receiving. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I hope that tonight there hasn't been mist in the pulpit that causes fog in the pew. Lord, I pray tonight that I have brought more light than heat to the subject. And I pray tonight that, God, we see it a little more clearly than we did when we began the evening together. And if so, that'll be good. Father, I pray tonight that you would help us to address the central question tonight. Lord, we can debate the ins and outs of this. We can, we can talk about the doctrine. But Lord, I pray tonight that Holy Spirit, you won't let us get off so easy as that. I pray that tonight, Holy Spirit, you would simply press the question to our heart. Am I honest with God about my life? Is every part of my life surrendered and yielded to Him? Or are there areas that I'm hiding or areas where I'm fighting God about His will? Lord, help us answer the question. Is our life, is our heart closed in and about us and our for no more? Or is our heart willing to be sent out in mission for you? And Lord, are we proud of our spiritual achievement? Or are we daily, moment by moment, leaning back on the power of the Holy Spirit going, Lord, if you don't help me, there's no way. I can live the life you've called me to. But Lord, if you will fill me, I know that you can make me stand as weak as I am. Holy Spirit, come and search us tonight. Search us and know our heart. Try us and know our ways. Holy Spirit, you do not come tonight to condemn us. You do not come tonight to make us afraid of, of, our, of our standing before the Lord. We are justified by your grace. But Lord, the question you press to us tonight is not about our standing it is about the true condition of our heart. Not have we been made righteous. Thank you, Lord, that we have by the blood. But have we been made holy? Have you really changed us on the inside? Have you really washed out the impurity? Have you really cleansed the fountainhead of my motives? Have I really let you touch me? Have I let you address the deepest part of who I am? Has there been a change at the base of our nature? That's the question, Lord. Lord, tonight, have your way. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Chad, lead us. Lead us in a chorus tonight. If you need to pray, the altar's open. If not, I'm going to dismiss. I'm not going to linger. But I urge you tonight. Let the Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you were blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at The Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at forcehillcog.org. Join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash forcehillcog, or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.